You're watching Meet the Movie Press, and coming up, we're going to be talking about Justice League, Quentin Tarantino, AFI Fest, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tiffany Hodders, so much more. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Meet the Movie Press. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jeff Snyder. You're watching Meet the Movie Press. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Simon Thompson out today, and so we have a very special co-host with me is Carla Renata. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Tell uh, <laughs> tell everybody where, where the, they can find you on social media. You can find me all across every social media pa- platform, excuse me, at The Curvy Critic. Now, that's just good branding. I was telling Carla before <laughs> the show. We just met a few minutes ago. But I can already tell this is going to be, this, <laughs> we're going to have a good rapport here. So how did you come up with, like, The Curvy Critic? Well, it went through various incarnations, but I was looking online and I was thinking, you know, what could I be? What could I be? Well, okay, I'm not a size two. I'm kind of curvy. I'm not, like, obese or anything. So I'm curvy. Let me see what else comes under that that um, moniker. So I typed in the curvy film critic. I typed in the curvy critic. I typed in all these things, and nobody had those domains, so I was all over it. Nice. So that's how I kind of came up with it because I felt like it described me. I'm curvy. And I'm a film critic. And I, and I was telling her, like, curvy, it's not just a shape. The word, I feel, like, encompasses a certain personality type. Uh, which I would have. There you, you go. Very much. <laughs> uh, I wish I could take credit for at the Insnider, which is my sort of handle. Uh, but that, a friend of mine, actually, uh, blessed that upon me. Um, so, Carla, uh, before we get into the news and everything, like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Because I, I don't know that much about you. Oh, okay. So, so like, how'd you start? How'd you get into this? Why'd you decide to do this? Okay, so when I was a little girl... My mother loves movies, and every year she would make this game with my brother and I out of watching all of the movies that we thought would possibly get nominated for an Oscar. She would take us to see all of them, and we'd have our little sheets, our little ballots and stuff. (laughs) Seriously, we'd have our little ballots, and we would sit there, and we would decide who we thought was going to win, and we were never wrong. And I think I've been doing this probably since I was 10 years old. That's amazing. For years. Where'd you grow up? In St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we would do that, and that's what piqued my interest in film is because my mother has an infinite love of movies. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. And then a couple of years back... I, um, I'm an actress as well, and nobody was trying to hire me. So I was like, I have this journalism degree from Howard University, and I have this other thing from UCLA. What can I do with this to try to, you know, bring in some revenue until Hollywood calls me again, if sure. they ever call again. They better. <laughs> well, they call it now, but, you know, at the time, they was not. Uh-huh. So um, I was co-hosting a radio show on in Hollywood, and uh, taking a social media class, and this guy said, uh, a, a person that ran the social media ca- class encouraged me to start a blog about movies. And I did, and then the radio show um, owner would let me go on the air for seven minutes and mm-hmm. review movies. That's awesome. So, I, yeah. I, I used to do that, uh, actually, when I first got out here, too. Uh, it, it's an invaluable experience, and it really, I think, led to maybe why I'm doing a podcast right now, why you why you have your thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand you have, have you have not seen Justice League. I have not seen, <laughs> I have not seen Justice League, but folk are going in. In online about that movie, yeah. folk are not having it. And I, <laughs> even when you when you posted that I was going to come and and guest co-host today, mm-hmm. 
folk were going in, putting my name in it. I'm like, take my name out your mouth. I have <laughs> not sorry. seen Justice League. I'm sorry to drag you into op- this. That's all right. I don't have any opinion about Justice League. I like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, but <laughs> literally, that's all I know until Sunday. So, I mean, are you you're excited for it? Are you pre-bought tickets? Or? Yeah, I pre-bought all tickets. All right, so you're, you're a bit of a, a DC fan. If you're well, I'm, I'm a superhero fan, okay. so it doesn't matter to me if it's DC, Marvel, or, or whoever it is. I just like superhero movies, so action, those type of action movies. So I'll just go. You see got a them. favorite superhero oh. or a favorite comic book movie? Wonder Woman and Spider Man. Okay, what? all right, fair enough. <laughs> um, for, well, first of all, I I did see Justice League. I saw it Wednesday night on the Warner Brothers lot. Okay, with, with a family of raccoons. <laughs> yeah, it's it's adorable. They have a, there's a family of raccoons uh, on on the lot, um, and you know it's. I'll put it this way: I I, I uh, have a blog where I rank all the movies, and, right. and there's categories that you know the, the standouts, the good ones, the right. the one the disappointing ones. Right. I put this under disappointments instead of bad. I, it's not. It's certainly not good, but I don't think it didn't make me angry the way that Suicide Squad did. Did you see that one? No, okay. I was trying not to see that because I was just like. The Batman franchise, I love the Batman. That's another one of my superheroes that mm-hmm. I like. I love the Batman franchise. And when I heard that twist that they were putting on it, as much as I love Will Smith and Margot Robbie, I was like, I can't. I see. Yeah. I can't do it. But tell me what was so, tell me why you scored it disappointing as opposed to horrible. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, again, I'll, that stuff has to do with expectations. Okay. Uh, I thought Suicide Squad looked amazing. And, and so when it was awful, I, I was upset. <laughs> Justice League, I sort of tempered my expectations a bit, knowing knowing what I was getting into, and I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, but honestly, if you're going to spend 250 to $300 million on a movie, Carla, mm. wouldn't you think the first thing you would buy is a screenplay? This screenplay is embarrassing. Now, I was a screenwriting major in NYU. Maybe I care too much about the written word. But this is, I mean, oh my god, it's like a clone of the Avengers with these boxes that have to come together and they're, and they're trying to pull them apart. It is so stupid and the villain is so bad. What's the point of assembling a Justice League and the five biggest heroes of DC if they don't have a real threat to take on? Well, you know, a lot of those movies, some of them have really good scripts and mm-hmm. some of them don't. And with this one, I haven't seen it, right. like I said, so don't come for me. Yeah, do uh, not. Twitter people, Leave her don't come away. for me. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> so... But um, sometimes I think the studio execs think that the script is not that important, that right. the action and the special effects kind of supersede the, mm-hmm. the uh, substance of a film. Yep. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. And, and evidently, in this particular right. instance, they kind of like missed the mark, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It's just... Uh, <laughs> but but you know what? I did, I, Gal Gadot was very good. She's she's the best one. I love her. Um, as, Ezra Miller had some funny stuff as as The Flash. Batman has just become such a drag in these movies. And I just... Batman was Ben Affleck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't like the cosmic villain. And, again, portals in the sky, which to me is very Avengers. What happened to the good old days with the Penguin and Catwoman and Joker and villains who were people? Well, you know, at some point you got to create some more villains to make it interesting. It's like how many Catwoman, Penguin, and Joker stories can you see? Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? That is fair. I I guess they have to open it up. I just this Steppenwolf guy did nothing for me. So I mean, (laughs) you know, if Simon was here, he'd chime in with his box office report and he'd say uh, it made thirteen million dollars last night, which I think is good. That's okay. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's it's okay, exactly. Because it it opened but last the, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thirteen million is not good. So that means it's either going to dwindle. Yeah, that means that the the box office returns are either going to dwindle yeah. as the weekend goes on, or it might slightly go up. But opening at thirteen is not. It's looking promising. at it's looking at one hundred and ten to one hundred and twenty million dollars. So this is arguably the biggest title that Warner Brothers has. Maybe not counting like a Fantastic Beast kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Th- this movie needs to be opening like to close to Jurassic World numbers in my eyes, which is, you know, Jurassic World probably is going to do double what, uh, or it did double what Justice League will probably do. I, I just don't see this, uh, I think that, I think this could be it. I think if they could blow the whole thing up after this, if it, if it comes in a hundred million lower than Batman vs Superman, we'll see. Uh, I don't know how much you care about box office or if you pay attention to the numbers. I, I don't pay attention to mm-hmm. numbers, really, um, because I base my opinion on how I felt about the movie. Right. And not necessarily, because there's some films that I've loved that didn't do really well at the box office mm-hmm. that I thought had a great screenplay, had great cast, the um, the emotional um, drive in the film was there. But the money wasn't there. And right. it was because either it was marketed. Because don't you agree sometimes with some of these films when they do the, the commercial for it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the commercial is misleading oh, absolutely. about the film. Yes. And sometimes it's right on point. Like the commercial, I'll give you a perfect example of a really good commercial. The commercial that's out for Mudbound right now mm-hmm. is a great example of what that film is about. Mm-hmm. Like it's enough to make you want to see it. And you don't for this film you don't have to go outside of your house to see it because it's on Netflix this weekend. That's right, but, and um, it's really good. It's excellent. But um, we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, but you know, but that's an example of a really great commercial. The commercials for the uh, commercial sequence for Wonder Woman, really great commercials. So if the commercials are good, people might go see it. If the commercials kind of go womp womp womp, then you're like, I don't know if I want to be spending $70 right exactly. On a, that movie. a movie like Justice League, you know, the, the, there's so much marketing; it's impossible <laughs> for a, a movie like this to, to flop outright. Um, uh, I mean, like, I, it, it outright. I, I just can't, I can't imagine what the marketing budget is on something like this. Uh, it's enough to, to fund, you know. <laughs> Fifteen, ten million dollar <laughs> movies, or something like that. Wow. Um, and obviously, there, there was a lot of talk today online about uh, Henry Cavill's CGI mustache, or, or you know, his CGI lip, because he had a mustache uh, when he came back for, to do reshoots, uh-huh. and, um, and now he doesn't. They to, right? They had to digitally erase the mustache because he refused to shave it. Uh, and I was looking really hardcore. Actually, I, I wasn't as distracted by it as other people seem to have been. Um, but you can definitely you can definitely notice it in some shots, and and some of the CGI towards the end is just it's just awful. It's like mid nineties lawnmower man CGI. So see, that's the mark of a really. I'm bad I'm trying movie. not to bring you down. Look, though. that's the mark of a really bad movie. If you're focusing in on somebody's mustache, right, or lack thereof, or lip, yeah. if that's all people can come away from the Justice League talking about, Warner Brothers got an issue. I'm just saying. Um, so sticking uh, with with the DC universe, um, <laughs> there, there were rumors this week. That that uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of is Bat is Ben Affleck going to stay in or out? Is he going to be Batman in the future? Who knows? But if he is not, uh, John Campia has said that uh, that Matt Reeves would like to cast Jake Gyllenhaal as Batman. Can you see Jake Gyllenhaal as Batman? No. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. See, no, because his his, his his because I mean, okay. First of all, first of all, it would be a great departure for him characterization wise because he doesn't play those types of characters mm-hmm. um and it's been my experience as an actor that you generally are um 
you generally gravitate toward roles that are closer to who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. I don't see Jake Gyllenhaal um, invoking his inner Batman superhero. I just don't see it. Because he always plays these characters that are broken, that are emotionally distraught. Batman's not broken. Batman is not emotionally distraught. So for all those reasons, I don't think so. Okay. I think... I actually think Jake would do a good job, mainly just because I think Jake is, you know, the, basically the best actor of his generation, along with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I don't know if it would be the greatest career move for him. I think he's, like, he needs a big movie, he needs a big hit like a Batman, and he obviously still has his sort of comic book movie eligibility. Um, but I just, I don't know if that's the right thing for him. I'm just not feeling him in a superhero mode. I'm just not really, no. Um... Let me ask you this, because there's another name uh, that, okay. that I'm not. I'm not putting this name out there as something that I've heard. Uh, I think it's just <laughs> it, it, it stands to reason since there's only only so many actors with comic book eligibility. What would you think of Colin Farrell as Batman? Because they like him up there on the I Warner Brothers. See, lot. I could see Colin Farrell. I could see because Colin Farrell is badass. So <laughs> I'm just saying, Colin Farrell chews up the scene no matter what kind of part he's playing. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, guys. Internet. Uh, if if Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, he would have to bulk do, doesn't up. do it. I, I think that they could definitely go. Uh, you know, yeah, he would have to bulk up a little bit. <laughs> and I don't Colin. know. I don't know what a bulked up Colin Farrell would look like, but we'll see. Maybe. Um, so AFI Fest. Yes. T- t- uh, talk. You know, let's talk about AFI Fest. Did you? Is that where you saw Mudbound? Say that, is that where you saw Mudbound yes. at AFI? Okay. I, I saw Mudbound in. twice actually. I saw Mudbound at the AFI Fest as mm-hmm. the opening um, picture, and I saw it again last night at the. Oh wow, uh, it's fresh. Yeah, I saw it again last night at LACMA. So, um, Mudbound. I love this movie mo- mainly because I'm a huge fan of Dee Rees, and Dee Rees directed Pariah. She directed Bessie for HBO. She's a brand new filmmaker with a fresh voice. She hires a lot of people that nobody's ever seen before or haven't seen them act a lot before, like Mary J. Blige. We've seen Mary J. Blige act. We've seen her in some movies where it was not so good, Rock of Ages. But <laughs> but um, this film, she does a really respectable job. It's probably the best acting job I've seen from her because she's not doing too much. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just being, and that's what being an actor is just being in the moment and 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 um living in that moment with the other characters that you're acting with um carrie mulligan wonderful 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 performance. She, she was good wonderful performance and the uh, the guy who played the dad his name is rob something rob morgan i lo- i honestly i i loved rob morgan maybe even the most um i thought jason mitchell did a great job and garrett headland this may be the best work he's ever done let me tell you something garrett headland about to get an oscar nomination you think so yep because of all the okay. movies i've seen he gonna get. I've, I, this is the thing. I feel like the and this is totally going off the subject just for a second. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most of the films that have come out are kind of like uh, and most of the films with the men's performances are kind of like uh. It's, yeah, it's not term, a great year in terms of Oscars. Like the women's, um, the women for best actress and best supporting actress is oversaturated with possibilities, mm-hmm. but for the men, not so much. And I think Garrett is a huge welcome addition. To that nominee so list. So you think, and maybe it could get two, two nominations, I don't know this, but you think he would get a nomination over Jason Mitchell? Because I think Jason Mitchell is is, is the, the film's best su- supporting actor candidate. They, but. they could possibly, but I mean, Mudbound is really um, taken off, like, huge since mm-hmm. Sundance. So um, I think 
it would be nice to see Jason Mitchell get a nomination only because he got no love for Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. He you know what so, I mean? He was, he was so, so good in Straight Outta Compton. So it would be nice to see him get some love. And there aren't a whole lot of films with African Americans in them this year. So to This get, is really the only one. You know uh, what I mean? So it's like... Oh. The only big contender. And, and I say that just because... I, have you seen Denzel's movie? Yes, uh, Roman J. Israel. What'd you think? Let me tell you something about that. I love that movie. Really? I love that movie. I mean, it was a little... It was a little predictable in a lot of spots, mm-hmm. but I like Denzel Washington as an actor, and I and I like the fact that he took on that character. And I went to a a, a screening of it at the Sony lot uh-huh. where he they did a Q and A afterwards, okay. and I was really interested to know whether that was a choice for him to play that character as um, artistic, mm-hmm. or if that was something that was written in the script. And apparently, that was not something. That was written in the script. That was his sort of interpretation. Was, like, and I kind of love the fact, because him playing that character that way is what made him interesting mm-hmm. on screen. The other thing I didn't like about that, well, one thing I didn't like about right. that film at all was the ending. Yeah. I was like, why is he running across the street and he's not yelling his name? Like, can you just, like, Warner Brother was, hap- was about to go down? Like, say, yo, stop. Warner Brother. Up. Like, Warner Brother, let somebody know what's happening. <laughs> like, really? you just going to let him get popped in the head by another by another clown and you're not going to say nothing? But Spoiler alert. <laughs> I know. I know. Spoiler alert. Shit. I, oh, well. So, too bad, too sad. Check it out on Thanksgiving. But... <laughs> You know, I, so I thought Denzel looks very good in that movie. I, I think the movie's a bit of a mess, uh, and then it goes off the rails in the third act. But I hadn't, I haven't seen the new cut because they cut twelve minutes since Toronto. Oh, um, so then you might like so, it, right? Yeah. So to, to be fair, I, I should really give the new cut another shot. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is not. Last year there were, a lot, I think there were seven acting uh, nominees of color. This year, it's going to be, gonna be th- a little bit thinner. It's going to be, it's going to be tight and. Something interesting last night when I saw Mabound at LACMA, the um, the I think he's either the co-producer or maybe a co-writer of the film. <clears throat> Virgo Wood? A casting. Maybe he's the casting person. Uh-huh. I think he might have been a casting person. But he was there along with the makeup artist and the editing person and D. Reeves, the director. Mm-hmm. And he said that, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want people coming for me on Twitter about this either. So he said, you know... I decided to make this film because, you know, that hashtag Oscar's so white, you know, people were complaining and people were saying this and people were saying that. He said, but nobody was doing anything. First of all, um, you are a white man in America, (laughs) so it's easier for you to make that happen. There aren't a whole lot of people of African-American descent that are producers, that are directors, Mm -hmm. that are screenplay writers. I mean, you can count them on one hand. John Ridley, Ava DuVernay, D. Rees. I mean, you know what I mean? Spike Lee, John Singleton, you can count them on one hand. So I know that he wasn't trying to be condescending when he made that comment last Mm -hmm. night. But at the same time, it's like, um, have you looked in the mirror lately? Have you looked at the news? Have you even looked at what the industry has to offer in terms of people that are able to make those types of projects? And I can tell you right now, I have friends that are screenwriters and producers and directors, and they will go to a studio, and they got to do a whole PowerPoint. I'm telling you, it's like a circus act for them to Making them jump through hoops. You know what I mean? To try to get a film made, and whereas somebody like him can just make a phone call and take a meeting, and boom, it's done. Right. So I'm not having you for that. I love you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. That was, that was a good take. Now let me ask you this. Do you think that 
uh, Mudbound being a Netflix movie, do you think that that could hurt it? Do you think that the Academy is biased against Netflix since you know it's not they're they're not pushing theatrical? I think the the Academy is feeling some kind of way about the fact that Netflix, Amazon Prime, and all these other studios are kind of like rising up, just mm-hmm. like social media has risen up as another uh, means of communication on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think that it won't hurt it because it wasn't um, Manchester by the Sea in Amazon. Right, Amazon. That's true. And so I don't think it'll hurt it. Mm-hmm. But it, but there's not a whole lot of love with the Academy and Ted Sarandos and Netflix. So right. that might be an issue. There's not as much of an issue with Amazon and some of the and and um, there's another one. What is it? Is Amazon, uh, Netflix, and there's one other one. But anyway, so I don't think there's as much contention with Amazon and the Academy as there is with Ted Sarandos, and I don't know what that's about. But the bottom line is Ted Sarandos is producing really quality work on that network, and the Academy would be foolish not to recognize that. Right, to overlook it just because of uh, Netflix. That's that's a great point. Thank you, Carla. You're welcome, Jeff. Did you see anything else at AFI? I saw a movie called Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Yeah, with Annette Bening and Jamie Bell. Yeah, and it, it, it chronicles the last couple of years. I'm sorry, the last six months of Gloria Graham's life. And Gloria Graham, for people that don't know who she is, if you've I, ever, I, I am one of you them. You don't? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm telling you, really tell you something really you don't interested. know. I'm so excited. Yay. Okay, so Gloria Graham, if you've ever seen the Christmas movie It's a Wonderful Life, I, I have seen it, but as, as a Jew, I don't watch it every Christmas like right. a lot of people. All right. So It's a Wonderful Life. There's a character that for all practical purposes and for lack of a better way to say this, she's like the town hoe. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Okay. She's like the town hoe. And she goes up to Jimmy Stewart's character and asks him for some money. And he gives her some money to leave town. That woman is Gloria Graham. And Gloria Graham made a buttload of money in Hollywood basically being... The hoe in every movie that she was in, except for one that she won an Oscar for. So there's that. But the last six months of her life, she was um, diagnosed with breast cancer. And she takes up with this dude in Liverpool who's like 28 years old. Right. So it chronicles that. This is the thing. I love Annette Benning, And Annette Benning shreds every time she hits the screen. I don't care what role it is. I don't care what movie it is. But oftentimes, Annette Benning is better than the movies that she's in. Yeah. And that was the case with that film. Okay. And um, I, what else did I see? I saw. Um, I saw Thoroughbreds and Gemini. I there. didn't see that. Let me see. Okay. I can tell you what. Oh, you know what? I can go to my AFI app. Ooh, and do, tell you what I saw. Do it up. I'll talk about the others while, yes, while you, you bring that. that up. Uh, so, yeah, I saw Thoroughbreds, the directorial debut of Corey Finley, which is actually Anton Yelkin's last film. Uh, I, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought all the performances were really interesting, uh, particularly Olivia Cook's. But uh, the movie really just came alive for me whenever Anton was on screen. Maybe it was because uh, I, I miss him so much uh, and kind of wanted to savor that performance. Um, you could just tell that that the film started out as a play. I thought it needed to be it needed another beat. It was missing a beat, and it needed to sort of be opened up a little bit. It felt like there were just four characters. Was it an adaptation from something else? For, from a play, yeah. Oh, okay. This guy adapted his own play as, as a feature, oh. and again, it, I, I liked it, um, and I thought. It showed promise from from Corey Finley. Uh, I, I just thought it, it, it wasn't. It didn't feel complete in a sense. Oh. Uh, and Gemini was again also okay, but a little a little bit more disappointing. Um, you know, Z- Zoe Kravitz and uh, Lola Kirk are very good, but Aaron her. Aaron Katz's films are just a little a little slow for me uh, and, and thin on story. So, what else did you see at AFI? I saw a film called Mr. Roosevelt. Oh, that's Noel Wells. Noel Wells, movie? yeah. Okay. It was quirk. It was uh, this. I loved it because it was quirky. It was um, 
it was quirky. It was strange. It had a twist that you don't expect to say coming because the title itself is very misleading. Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that she wrote and produced it and starred in it. And I love the fact that she brought that quirkiness that she had on SNL to a film with her friends. So it was it was kind of cool in that respect. And there's a scene in that movie where she loses her mind at, at this this um, event, which, you know, if you're going to see it, I won't ruin it for you like I did the other <laughs> one. But um, it, it was very interesting. And I and I had an opportunity to do the red carpet and speak to her. And she is just, she's, she's great. And the people that she had in the film with her, all of her friends were really great. I, I enjoyed that. I also saw I, Tanya. Oh, okay. I love I, Tanya. I, that, now, I was talking about how the, the female field is oversaturated. Mm -hmm. Alice and Janney. Oh, my God. Shredding. Wow. Shredding. It's between, let's be honest, it is between her and uh, Laurie Metcalf for, in Lady Bird for Best Supporting Actress. But you Actress. can't count out Judy Dench. In well, Victoria oh, she, she, and she, she's a lead. She's a lead. Judy Dench is uh -huh. a, would be oh, a lead. They would be, they're supporting. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, supporting. Okay, okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Yeah, Alice and Janney was amazing. Alice this, and Janney shreds. Is, in the, isn't Margot pretty? And, and, Margot's and Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think that that was her skating, or do you think they CGI'd her onto somebody else? Great question. Um, I imagine that is her skating in some of it. Obviously, not the crazy triple axles and things like that. I imagine that they got a double. Um, because but I, but I think she had she must have been like had to learn to skate or you know. Because I know when I went to see Battle of the, Battle of the Sexes with Emma Stone, I was like, dang, Emma Stone is shredding and doing these stuff. <laughs> Good tennis player, right? I was like, she's a great tennis player. Did she have training? Well, mm -hmm. yes, she did have training. I actually learned yeah. how to play tennis from the guy that trained her for the film, but. When I interviewed her, she said that she had a tennis double and that they CGI'd her face onto the tennis double, which oh, wow. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So immediately when I saw Margot Robbie and I, Tanya, I was like, oh, okay, I wonder if they CGI'd her face. I think of it like almost like Miles Teller and Whiplash. Like, I know he had to learn to play the piano to be in that movie, but, it, uh, you know, he's, it's also not him. Uh, not piano, uh, the drums. Sorry, the piano. Wrong I know he had, to, he, had to, he had to learn how to play the drums for whi for whiplash. I was like, er, er, er. I was uh, like right. he was playing the piano. Brain fart, <laughs> brain fart. It's too early on a Friday. Uh, the drums. He had to learn to play the drums, but he obviously wasn't doing a, you know all of right. those moves. Right, right, right. Uh, they need a real a professional drummer. And for those of you that don't know what I Tanya is, if you remember, like I guess it's like twenty years ago, almost now, there was an incident with. Um, two Olympic skaters, Nancy Kerrigan and, and Tanya Harding. And it chronicles all of the stuff that happened prior to that incident and maybe a little bit of, of what happened after the incident. But it's one of those things that it happened. It's one of those things in American history that happened. Nobody really knows what happened, why it happened, what the impetus was to do it until this film. And it gives you a really good um, uh, spin on, on what happened. And my, my mom is hilarious because I told you she's a movie buff. So when I was telling her about the film, I was like, yeah, and this, this dude, Jeff Galuli, and my mom's like, he's from St. Louis, isn't he? I'm like, he is? She's <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, he's from St. Louis. I was like, ooh. I'm like, not so, trying to claim that one as a hometown. Yeah, exactly. A, lo a local legend who lives in infamy. <laughs> I'm like, I'll claim Chuck Berry, but I don't know about Jeff Galuli. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then I, I wanted to see Molly's Game. Okay. That was but, good. It was it and with Jessica Chastain. This is another thing. She's another one. Jessica Chastain oftentimes, with the exception of the help, 
is oftentimes in movies where she's better than the movie. Mm-hmm. And but only the only exception is last year when she did Miss Sloan. Mm-hmm. I thought she I thought that was a great movie and I thought she was great in it and she got no love. That movie got the, uh, it got I, buried, I, I, dude. Yeah, exactly. I, I really liked Miss Sloan and I thought she was great in it as well and th- that release was just botched. I mean, that was like a Europa Corps sort of I was thing. so bummed out. But this is the thing about the AFI Fest that I love. I, there's a couple of film festivals that I make, make it my business to attend every mm-hmm. year. And those are the AFI Fest, AFI Docs, um, LA Film Festival, and Sundance. Because, and let me flip it back to the AFI Fest. The AFI Fest, almost always, whoever the person is that they um, do a tribute to, mm-hmm. that person always gets nominated for an Oscar. Uh-huh. Every like single year. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. But almost every single time that person gets nominated for an Oscar and at least one or two of the films that come out of that festival always end up um, doing well during Oscar season. So AFI got really screwed this year too, obviously, because uh, you know they, they oh, right. didn't have a lot of world premieres, but they had all the money in the world as sort of their the trump card in their back pocket, and then that uh, screening obviously got pulled and replaced with Molly's Game. Nice segue. Uh, yeah, <laughs> after after the Kevin Spacey stuff. Um, all right, let's talk about some some news. Okay. Uh, let's see. Did you ever watch the TV show Are You Afraid of the Dark? No. Yeah. Okay. I, I So I grew up watching that as a kid on SNCC. Uh, we broke the news over on the tracking board this week that uh, there is an Are You Afraid of the Dark movie in the works uh, at uh, at Paramount Players, uh, whose whole mandate is to exploit the different properties that Viacom owns, BET, Comedy, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like a lot of people of, of my generation were excited about uh, an Are You Afraid of the Dark movie that, that Paramount Players will submit for the approval of the Midnight Society. Um... Do you know who Justice Smith is from The Get Down? Yes. That kid booked the lead in the Pokemon movie this week. I saw that. Good career move, or, or is he going to regret this one? Detective Pikachu. I, you know, it'll, it'll like you said earlier, it will depend on the script. Yeah. If the script for that film is really good, then it's not going to matter. If the script for that film is kind of mediocre at best, it's, it might be like a career setback for him. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I don't know. I don't, I don't know Pokemon. I'm not going to see this movie. Like, this doesn't matter. This film does not matter to me. But a lot of people remember that whole thing. Oh, Pikachu of, was huge. Yeah, when they were looking for Pokemon yes. or whatever. That, I was yeah. like, people were having car accidents trying to play that. <laughs> trying to play that game. On I the played phone. that for about two weeks, and, and then I was like, okay, that's, I was that's like, enough this of that. This is a fad, and it's not going to last. I'm not indulging. Yeah, gotta, <laughs> exactly. Okay, here's here's one I want to ask you about. Uh, so. Taraji P. Henson yes. signing on to What Men Want. This is ostensibly billed as a comedy, as a sort of uh, an inverse of the, uh, the the Mel Gibson What Women Want. Right. But it seems to me, judging by the headlines of the last few weeks, that What Men Want is fucking terrifying, and it's more of a horror movie than a comedy. Oh. What do you think about this? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that deep. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't go all the way there. I mean, Jeff. like, like what? What are the? We, I think we all know what the jokes are going to be and what men want. Like, well, in all fairness, before Taraji P. Henson was Cookie on Empire mm-hmm. and and getting you know Golden Globe and and uh, uh, Emmy nominations, she was notoriously known in the black community for doing a lot of black films. You know, um, 
what was that franchise? She was in some Tyler Perry movies. Mm-hmm. She's been in, I think she was in the Steve Harvey movies. and She's just been in a lot of movies that are geared toward and placate toward the African-American community. So this film probably is going to be more in that lane. It's okay. probably not going to be, you know, a crossover hit kind of film because she has not been associated with those types of films. Her films are strictly African-American based. And that needs to change because Taraji is an excellent actress and she just oftentimes is not given the opportunities that some of the other African-American actresses are given, like Regina King or Queen Latifah or um, some of the others that are in Mm -hmm. that age range. So, you know... She's got Proud Mary coming up. That's a big test for her. Yeah, Proud Mary looks a lot like uh, Jackie Brown, that Quentin Tarantino film. I I love Jackie Brown. It looks a lot like Jackie Brown. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out because I would really hate for it to be like an imitation of Jackie Brown and not be as good and kind of, you know, mess up the box office for her. Because I really like her. Well, speaking of talented black women, Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Signed, on, signed on to two movies this week, and she hosted SNL last week. Did you catch her SNL oh, stint? First of all, yes, I caught her stint on SNL, Miss Tiffany Haddish. Jeffries. Miss- Boo-boo Jeffries. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, because she made history as the first African-American female stand-up comic to host the show. So, Which is crazy to think about. Like, in what, how long has it been on? 34 years or <laughs> right. something like that? Like, really? In 34 years, you couldn't find one funny black stand-up comedian that's a female to be on the show? Um, other than a cast member like Leslie Jones? Okay, so anyway. Um, <laughs> I love her. I, I think the strongest part of her hosting SNL was the monologue. Mm-hmm. When she did the monologue. When she talked about that dress. When she talked about wearing that dress, that Alexander McQueen dress, that she, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like, I paid $4,000 right, I'm going to wear it dress. here, I'm going to wear it there. She said, wear. you might see it in three sketches tonight. I'm like, I kind of <laughs> love you because social media has made, for guys, it's not, they don't come for you as harsh, but social media has made it almost impossible for a woman to wear the same thing twice because mm-hmm. people will come for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Didn't you wear that? Didn't you then? wear that yeah. at such and such premiere? Didn't I see you on the carpet in that outfit? Yeah, I did. Like, this and, dress is shit. <laughs> let me tell you something. That's that's pressure. That's why Marshalls and Ross Valesa are my best friends, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I, I love her. They should her. hook it up with an endorsement deal right now after that, <laughs> Ross. Okay, I'm just saying. But she she's hilarious. It, did you see Girls Trip? I didn't just see Girls Trip. I loved Girls okay, Trip. Okay, I'm just okay? saying. I, when you got rest, I thought you were going to say no. I was like, dude. Dude, it was, it was great. I love Girls Trip. It's going to be on my top. 15. I think it's going to be in my top 15 this year. Jeff, that and I movie. I see a lot of movies. Oh, that, me too. Um, that movie made me laugh so hard. Oh my God. My I really feel like hurt. she, it is the best comic sort of breakout performance since Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids. And by Most the way, definitely. Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids got an Oscar nomination. Yes, she did. I don't, nobody is talking about Tiffany Hodges right now as far as Oscars. Don't be surprised. I'm just throwing that out there. She's a dark horse. You know horse. what? That would that would. To- I love you for saying that. That would totally be a dark horse. I mean, if Melissa McCarthy's getting one, why are we not even talking about her as a possibility? And Tiffany was also on um, the Carmichael show. Did you see that show that was on? Okay. I think it was on NBC. She was a regular on mm-hmm. that show. So I was like, she's one of those people that people are like, oh my god, where's she come from? Who is that? Um, spoiler she's been alert. Around. She she's been dues. around. She's been around mm-hmm. paying her dues, you know, doing this little part here, doing this little part there. Nobody has an overnight success. Everybody's overnight success is like 10 to 20 years long. Right. And so, so she she's going to be in the Kevin Hart movie uh, Night School. And she just booked two more this week that are over on Variety. Justin Crow broke those. She's going to be in New Lines the Kitchen, which is uh, based on a comic book. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's set in Hell's Kitchen, I believe, mm-hmm. and then Universal's The Temp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, th- that's two big studio movies plus plus Night School for Tiffany Haddish. So I'm so glad that Hollywood is rewarding. And just so her. you know, it's Haddish. Is it? Yeah, it's Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. What have I been calling her? Haddish. Yes. Haddish. So, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish. If, if she okay. is watching this, she will not be. She will be no too thrilled. Thank you for correcting me. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, okay, Haddish it is. Thank you. Um, what else do we got? Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino's movie. Uh, he was shopping it to, to studios, and then uh, Mike Fleming just just so happened to be up at four fifty eight in the morning this morning. <laughs> Wonder how that worked out. Uh, mm. And and broke the news that uh, that Sony has won the bidding war for t- uh, Quentin's next movie, which is simply being referred to as Number Nine. A lot of people are talking about it as his uh, Charles Manson movie, but it, it is Mike's understanding and mine as well, really, that that Charles Manson is a sort of a, a looming presence in the script, but he's not like the main character or oh, anything. Okay. It's more about 1969 in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so bunch of big names are circling this. Tom mm-hmm. Cruise, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. Uh, there's two male lead roles. That's three actors. And then uh, Margot Robbie being sought for Sharon Tate. So let me ask you this. Ooh, that's a good choice. Um, so Brad has obviously worked with uh, Quentin before on Inglorious Bastards. Leo's been in Django. Tom Cruise has been stuck playing, doing these action Mission movies. Impossible. Like, he, he needs this movie. He is the king so of Mission you, Impossible. if you could only pick two of those three guys to be in this movie, which two are you picking? Pitt, Leo, Cruz. Two roles. You know, I don't think that Cruz would do that type of film. He, like, did, it would, he did Magnolia. How long ago was that? I'm just saying. That's been a minute. 18 years ago. Okay, I'm just saying. That's been a minute. But um, it would be a good career move for him. Yes. But he is... He doesn't. He doesn't strike me as the type of person that's going to be in a film that doesn't center completely around yeah. his character. Right, which is you know what, what I mean. Which is, which is what has been the problem with Tom Cruise movies of late. I mean, you know, it's a Tom I haven't show. seen one. Right, I haven't seen one movie that he's been in in the last eighteen years right. where he is not the center of attention you, in the film. You got a movie called The Mummy that's not about the Mummy, but it's, it's about, about, Tom Tom, about Tom Cruise. Oof. Uh, so, so I, I personally think Tom Cruise really could use the Quentin Tarantino movie. I'd love to see him working with Quentin. Um, I, I, again, I don't know what the roles are, so I can't say you know who would, who would fit them best, right? But, right. And, and, but you think Margot should play Sharon Tate? Or you oh, think that's, most definitely. Yeah, yes. obviously, she, there's a resemblance there. I'm just like, is she, this just a, a victim role? Is she just there to get stabbed? Well, there's that, but she. She is Sharon Tate. She embodies that same aura, that same energy, that mm-hmm. same verve that Sharon Tate, not Sharon Tate. Yeah. That sh- you said Sharon Tate, right? Yeah. That Sharon Tate had. Okay. Sharon Tate was a really beautiful woman, but she was a smart cookie, and people tend to overlook that as the years have gone by. She's always been known and referred to as the woman that was killed by Charles Manson, and she was so much more than that as a right. person. Right. She's been reduced to that, unfortunately. You know? So, yeah, I would love to see, I would love to see her play that role. Yeah, I would really like that. And and Charles Manson uh, on his deathbed, it sounds like. Uh, well, a- you know, <laughs> evil prevailed for a long time. Yeah, it's about, about time. time exactly. It's about time for that light to be snuffed out. So. Um, did you watch any uh, of these trailers? Like the the post? Did you see the the Steven Spielberg the post trailer? I did not, but I've heard a lot about this movie, and I heard it is the. I think it looks great. I mean, I, I heard it is great. It seems, it seems to earn the it's it's quasi frontrunner status this award season. Did yeah. you see the trailer yesterday for A Quiet Place? The John Krasinski? No, Emily I Blunt didn't one? see that one. That I heard looks, that one's good too. Holy shit! Yeah. I, did, I did not see that coming. I love John Krasinski though. He has been jamming the last couple. I of like years. him too. 
I don't love his directorial work, so I was a little nervous about this movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but I, and again, I didn't really know what the logline was. It was kind of just like had a generic supernatural uh, logline. It looks sick. Um, and did you did you happen to see the Rampage trailer with The Rock? No. No. Okay. Yeah, that was just, you know, giant wolves and crocodiles. I mean, and to be fair, I haven't seen a whole lot of trailers because I've been festival festivaling. Right. So there's that. That's and, you fair. Know, that's I'll give very you, time consuming. I'll give you a pass then. <laughs> well, thank you, Jim. A <laughs> uh, bunch of news coming out of Disney. Um, they're doing a Prince Charming movie with Stephen Chbosky, who did The Perks of Being a Wallflower and Wonder, which opens today and is supposed to be very, very good. Read Drew McQueenie's review on our site. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do, did you see Perks of Being a Wallflower or Wonder? wonder neither one okay um yeah prince charming they're gonna try to do something with just like that uh that mythos that the character the same you know the generic prince character from cinderella and right. snow white this will be right. from the point of view of his brother <laughs> so add that to the sort of list of disney live action fairy tale updates um, speaking of live action disney films can we just talk about the lion king for two seconds hell yeah okay so you don't know this about me but i was in the lion king Get the fuck out. I was Shinzi in the Los An- in the original Los Angeles production of The Lion wow. King that sat at the Pantages Theater for three years. And I was Shinzi from the day it opened to the day it closed. Having said that, when they came out with the cast list for The Lion King, I was just like, can we once in Hollywood just one time... When they take a musical that's been on Broadway, can we just like take some people that are unknown and put them in the parts? Right. Because the people that originally did The Lion King on Broadway, nobody knew who they were. Mm-hmm. The people that did the movie, they were somewhat known. I mean, you know, Robert Guillaume and, you know, James Earl Jones mm-hmm. and Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. Like people knew who those people were Mm -hmm. but it was an animated feature so it's a little different like people don't really get as get their feathers as ruffled as much when it's animation as opposed to a live action or a real movie but I'm just like Beyonce did did this movie really need Beyonce like could could it have just cast the actress from Broadway I'm just saying or one of the variations thereof right I don't have a problem with Donald Glover being Simba. I'm like, I'm like, that's a really good choice actually, because he looks a lot like some of the guys that have played Simba. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm sure the young man that's playing Simba on Broadway right now is more than capable to to do that gig. Like, why we always got to throw a bunch of names mm-hmm. in a movie? People, will, people that truly love film will go and see a movie regardless of who is in it if the premise of the film sounds interesting to them. We yeah. don't have to have it laden and laced. With 5,000 celebrities. It's so annoying. The only good thing that they did was at least bring somebody from the original. And they have James Earl Jones in there. Mm-hmm. But, well, really. I, I will say that I, I do love this cast. I think it came together uh, in a really exciting way. But I understand what you're saying where it seems like casting these days. is You're just sort of casting people's fan bases. Like, this actor has a big fan base. And we want... This um, huge fan base to show up to the movie. They, they do they, that in television too, right? Yeah, uh, in, instead of maybe uh, pushing yourself to to find the best actor, just you know, make a fresh discovery. And let me be clear: I am not hating on any of these celebrities. I'm not. I love every last single one of them, but mm-hmm. you know, they have a career. Mm-hmm. Let somebody that doesn't have a career yet that a live action feature of Lion King would give them a career. That's all I'm well, saying. Well, did, to to John Favreau and Disney's credit, they did it with the the Jungle Book with Neil Neil Sethi, the little boy. And how did that go? It went great. Saying, yeah, 
There you go. That's a good point. Uh, Elsewhere at Disney, Sam Mendes. uh, I broke the news that Sam Mendes pulled out of the Pinocchio movie. He was going to do a live-action Pinocchio film. Uh, Do we know why? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why? Do we know why? Uh, We don't know why. (laughs) I actually never got a reason whether it was like a creative differences thing or a timing thing. But I'm just saying they are looking for a Bond director. It's supposed to be on Demange. He's been the front runner, but now that Sam Mendes has dropped Pinocchio, does it open that door for him to ride off into the sunset with Daniel Craig together on, That's on Bond Twenty Five? I don't it's, know. Any, anything is possible. I wouldn't put it past anybody. I'm right there with you. Um, and then you know, I was out last week, uh, so I don't think we had a show um, with an SDS of, of food poisoning. But the, uh, there was news Ooh. that that Ryan Johnson is going to be creating a new Star Wars trilogy. Are you a Star Wars kind of person, Carla? Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. When I got my invite to go to the screening in the junket in the press conference, I mm-hmm. was like, sign me up. I was so <laughs> excited. I am a Star Wars junkie. So so you're pumped for this Ryan Johnson installment. I don't care who's doing it. If it's Star Wars, I am there. Mm-hmm. Do, so the, the, the big news, uh, you know, besides the fact that Ryan Johnson is going to be writing and directing another movie in the Star Wars universe, is that it's going to be set in a different galaxy and feature brand new characters. Is this something that you want to see, or, or are you happy with just the Skywalker saga stories that we've been getting? Well, I mean, I think that that's probably happening because of Carrie Fisher's demise, you know? Okay. Um, she was such a huge part of that franchise that without her, you have to kind of do something to keep people engaged. I never was a big fan of them introducing new characters when they would do the prequels and all that. Right. I kind of was like, oh, can we just bring Princess Leia back? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was like that. Can we just see, you know, Han Solo and Princess Leia? Um, I just want to see them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on it depends on the fan. It depends on the person. And I'm sure that my voice and opinion on that is in the minority. But um, I can see the pros and the cons to both. I can see the pros to adding new characters and create and reinventing and refreshing the franchise. Mm-hmm. But I also like the original stuff. You know, the the spins and the plays off of the original stuff, giving them children, like having um, a. Showing us how Darth Vader became Darth Vader, like that kind of stuff. Like I like that, but can you know. can you look into your Oscar crystal ball and tell me if Carrie Fisher will be nominated for an Oscar again? I don't know how much screen time she has. I don't either, and I and I is don't, it a possibility? No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't. I think they might if she hasn't already received an honorary Oscar. There may be some plans at some, at some point to give her and her mother. Um, an honorary Oscar, mm-hmm. although I think Debbie Reynolds, I think, did win an Oscar. I do not know. I, sh- I should know that as I the, t- the Schmodown champion. I should too, but I, I think she, I think Debbie Reynolds, I, if she didn't win, I know she's at least. Been, I know she got nominated for Unsinkable Molly Brown. That I know for sure. Okay, but um, I don't. I'm not quite sure if she won, but something's telling me that she won. But um, at any any anywho, um, I think at some point in the future. Um, they will probably give them honorary awards just because the body, their body of work collectively and individually warrants that type of um, tribute. I think Debbie Reynolds did. She won the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award, the honorary Oscar. Yeah, uh, like I, last year. Okay, because I seem to recall, I seem yeah. to recall her holding an Oscar in her hand, and I couldn't remember what it was for. Um, is, let me, so we're nearing the end of our show. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Carla? Anything on your mind? Mm. Well, you know, 
um, I think we pretty much covered a lot of the stuff that's on there. Okay. Uh, that's on there. That's out there in the news yeah, yeah. today in terms of, of movie stuff that's, that's going down. Um, excited about Star Wars. I just had to bring it back. There. So is that, is that the number one movie you're most excited for before the end of the year? Uh, yeah. Hands down. Okay. No. <laughs> Are uh, you crazy? Yeah. Yes. All right. The, the, the Last Jedi coming soon. Um, I guess that'll do it for uh, this this edition of Meet the Movie Press. Thank you so much for filling in. Why don't you, uh, where, where can folks find you again? Remind us. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. And if you want to see some of my reviews, go over to thecurvyfilmcritic.com. Com. Well, this went great. Uh, so you are definitely going to be coming back. You're welcome anytime. Um, guys, thanks for watching the Popcorn Talk Network. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm Jeff Snyder, editor-in-chief of The Tracking Board, tracking-board.com. Make sure to bookmark it uh, at The Inn Snyder on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, have a great Justice League weekend, gang. Urgh. Don't pay attention to that Rotten Tomato score too much. <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.